you. You guys get it? Was that a cool song? Did you enjoy it? So uh, guess what I'm going to talk about today? Waiting on the Lord. Who likes to wait here? Does anybody like to wait? Seriously, come on, be honest. Does anybody like to wait on anything? We don't like to wait. <laughs> I mean, it's part of our human nature. We hate to wait. That's why things are so convenient now. You know, uh, technology, the internet, right? We could write a letter real quick. Uh, it's just faster to communicate with people. Uh, we got the express lines, the credit cards. It's all faster, right? Uh, the drive throughs the microwave. It's convenient for us. It's convenient, right? We want it fast. TV dinners, boom. Two, three minutes, you're done. We don't have time to wait for a half an hour gourmet dinner. We want it quick. We hate to wait. What do we hate to wait for? Anybody, just throw it out there. Things that we hate to wait for. We, we hate to wait for the bus. Huh? Husband. W- waiting for our spouses, right? <laughs> I don't have to wait no more. Hallelujah. Anything else, right? Uh, nothing? Waiting in traffic. That's why people get road rage, right? Because they hate to wait. They get crazy. They cut people off. We don't, they don't like to wait. Right? We hate waiting in lines in a supermarket, Target, or wherever you're at, right? Maybe when you're cashing a check on Fridays, you're just in the back of your mind, why don't they open up another teller? They should have prepared for this. It's Friday. It's payday. Why am I waiting here? I just want to cash my check and go home, right? What else? Um, currency exchange. So there's just a bunch of things that we just, we just hate to wait, see? That's so, why, you know, people cut in line, right? Why do people cut in line? They don't want to wait as long. So we hate to wait, but the greatest challenge that the Bible gives us is to wait. Simple as that. We hate to wait, but one of the greatest challenges that the Bible gives us is to wait. Wait on the Lord. See, we have to understand that, um, that patience is the key to all of God's blessings. Remember that. Patience is the key to all of God's blessings. See, we have to, like the song says, wait on the Lord until we know what to do from Him. Wait on Him. Wait on the Lord until we know what to do from you. Isaiah 64.4 says this. I'm just going to read it. You can turn to it if you want, but I'll just read it real quick. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You understand what he's saying there? God is promising to do great things in us, to us, through us, when we wait on him. Awesome. He's, he's going to do awesome things when we wait. He acts on our behalf when we wait on the Lord. The problem is we don't wait on the Lord. That's the problem. Uh, we, God, we need to learn how to wait on Him. We, we get impatient. We get impatient. And even though we know that there's promises, there's blessings. The, he's telling us right here there's blessings. He's going to do great things when we wait on Him. Even though we know that, it is still so difficult. It is still so hard to wait. Because it's, it's part of our, our, our human nature. Because of the fallen humanity, because of sin, we get that way. We get impatient. And we don't want to wait for anybody. When we want something, we want it now. When we need to get something done, we need to get it done now. We don't want to wait on nobody. And certainly not God, right? Because God is, is patient. He's patient with us. He takes his time. You see, you've got to understand that. Let's think, um, if you want pizza, Right? My favorite pizza, Gino's East. Deep dish Gino's East, right? But if you want something good, you're going to have to wait about a good 45 minutes. Or you could just go to Little Caesars, get your $5 hot and ready pizza. It's up to you. 
You see, you got to understand God is slow cooking your promises. He's slow cooking it to perfection. You got to wait for it. It's going to be hard. Maybe you're starving and it hurts. But when it comes, it's going to be oh so good. It's going to be good. I'm telling you, God is slow cooking your promises. And we have to learn to wait on him. We have to learn to wait on him. You see, you got to understand also that God is not in a hurry. He doesn't deal with time the way that we deal with time. He's not in a rush. He doesn't. You see, God is eternal. You see, us, we're like, you know, we're pressed for time. You know, our time is valuable. You know, that's why we don't want to wait. We got stuff to do. You know, things, uh, things to see, people to see, all that stuff. But God deals with the eternal. He doesn't have time up there. You see, he doesn't deal with time the way that we deal with time. And so God is not in a rush. We have to learn to wait on him. And people, we all have promises. God has given us promises, promises in the Bible. There's promises in the book that the Bible gives us. There's promises, personal promises that God gives us. Promises for husbands and wives and for a job and blessings, for our ministry. Right? There's maybe the, some of you guys have a calling in your life for full-time ministry. Those are promises, visions and dreams that God has given you. But you have to learn to wait for it because you could mess it up. He gives you a promise. He says, I'm going to do this for you. But you could mess it up if you don't know how to wait on him. If you rush to it, if you take a shortcut, God will not bless that because his hands, he was not on that. He, he wasn't a part of that. You did it on your own. See, that's the problem. We don't know how to wait on God. We get impatient, and so we take matters into our own hands. We say, well, I'm going to do it my way. I don't have time to wait on you, God. So I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to know, I'm going to do it the way that I know is best. I want to do it the way that I know how to do it. I want to take care of business my way. And so when we do that, we mess it up. We mess up the whole plan of God. We don't wait on God. We don't allow Him to, to work out His perfect plan in our lives. And so we take a shortcut. We do it our way. We do it the way we think is best. And we mess it up. We mess it up. We mess up the whole plan of God. We mess up the purpose that He had for us. And it's going to cost us. It's going to hurt. I'm telling you, it's going to hurt. I'm going to give you some examples later on. You see, the devil... The devil's conniving. We know how conniving he is. And he's going to try to deceive you. You see, you have this promise and you're waiting for it. You're waiting for it patiently. But guess what? The devil knows. And he's going to try to come and deceive you. He's going to use people, even your own friends and family, to tell you, what are you waiting for? What are you doing? You're waiting on God. That promise ain't going to come true. You're waiting in vain. You're wasting your time. You're wasting your life. Take care of it the way you, you know what you need to do. Go ahead and do it. And he's going to try, try to deceive you. And he's going to try to mess you up. But God is not a God that he should lie. If God says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. You better believe he's going to do it. And no matter how long it takes, hang on to God. Trust in his word. Trust in his promises. It will come true. And he will bless you for it when we wait on him. Don't fall into the lies of the devil. Don't fall into his lies. You see, I want to read uh, 2 Peter chapter 3, uh, Andrew. Just to give you an example, like I was saying that God doesn't deal with time the way that we deal with time. And one of the greatest things that we're waiting for, yeah, verse 3, is the coming of Jesus, right? We're waiting for different things, but ultimately the coming of Jesus. And look at this, verse starting off, uh, verse 3. Uh, first of all, you must understand that in the last days scoffers will come, scoffing, and following their own evil desires, they will say, where is this coming? He promised. Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as 
it has since the beginning of creation. For they deliberately forgot that long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water by water. You could jump to verse 8. So here they're saying that in the last days, you see, we're waiting for the coming of Jesus. And we hear this now. People are going to come. What are you waiting for? Jesus ain't coming back. You're wasting your time waiting for him. Right? We hear that all the time. We don't believe it. He's not coming back. Ever since the beginning of time, year after year, it's been the same thing. And Jesus hasn't come back. He's never going to come back. That's what they're saying. See, the promises. And so uh, this is what Peter, um, how he explains it. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. You understand that? You understand he does not deal with time the way that we deal with time. You see, what we think he's going to do in one day, he'll take a thousand years. And what we, what we think he will take a thousand years to do, like, man, that's going to take forever. He'll do it in one day. That's it. We just have to trust God. You see, God has promises for us. We have to hang on to his word. He is not slow in keeping his promises. Remember that. He is not slow in keeping his promises. He knows exactly. It's not like if God is up in heaven saying, oh, man, I'm running out of time. I was supposed to give a swell and a husband uh, last year. Oh, my goodness, I'm running out of time. What am I going to do? I was supposed to give uh, Rachel a, a six-figure income job. Awesome. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's not up in heaven saying, oh, man, I, I forgot. I'm running out of time. What am I going to do? No. He's not up there doing that. He knows exactly what he's doing. From before you even born, he knows exactly every day what's going to happen in your life. He's not in a rush. He knows exactly. We just have to wait on him. That's the key word. Wait on him. He knows exactly the time. His time is perfect. His time is right. And it might seem long for us. It might, we hate to wait, right? We just hate it. It's like torture. But we have to trust. And that's what faith is. We have to trust in God. Knowing that God is, is hard. It's tough. But, man, I know that your time is the perfect time. And even though I think I should get this now, well, you know best. You know best because you know my future. Amen? Take, for example, the, the vision of Metro Praise, right? 500 churches around the world. 50 churches in uh, Chicago, right? We want to reach the nations. 100,000 souls, right? We want that vision. We could take a shortcut. Sure, we could get that a little bit faster. We could water down the gospel. Come on, preach that, that health and wealth prosperity message. Tickle everybody's ears. Uh, preach them what they want to hear. Discipleship. Mm-mm. Correct and rebuke. None of that here. As long as you love Jesus and you, you, uh, you, uh, you're, uh, you, know, you come Sunday, every Sunday and you give you know, your tithes. That's cool. Oh, man, we'll get the crowd. We'll get the 100,000. We'll re- Come on, we'll build a mega church. With that, with that kind of message, we could take a shortcut, but it's going to cost us. It's going to cost. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Andrew, it's going to cost us something when we take a shortcut. You see, when we build our, um, our, our foundation based on that, man, I'm telling you, I'm going to explain it to you right now. It's going to hurt. We got that? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. Is it there? Okay, man, you're fast. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. We built our foundation on watering down the gospel, compromising 
is going to cost us, whether in this lifetime or the next, it will be burned up. Everything we worked for will be burned up. And the Bible says we will barely make it to heaven. It's going to cost people something. It could cost people their salvation if we don't do it the right way. But we won't do that here. We will stand up for holiness. We will preach righteousness. We will disciple. We will love God. And we will love people. We will not compromise the gospel. We will not preach to you what you want to hear. We will preach to you what you need to hear. That's it. If you don't like it, well, we welcome you to go to another church. That's it. We won't do that. We will not, we will not take the shortcut. We will wait on God. And whenever God wants to fulfill the promise and the vision, well, then he will fulfill it at his time. Whether I see it or my children will see it. We will wait on God, but we will do it the right way. We will wait on God. We won't take any shortcuts. And that's what I'm talking about. Don't take any shortcuts to your promises. Wait on God. His time is the perfect time. Amen? Hallelujah. Let me give you some examples. God is good. God is good. David, how long did he wait to become king? Samuel anointed him to be king over Israel. How long did it take him? Over 20 years for that promise to come true. 15 years to be king of Judah, another 7 to actually be king over all. So over 20 years for that promise to come true. And he wasn't just waiting. He was persecuted. The, the present king, Saul, was persecuted, was chasing him, wanted to kill him. 20 years for his promise to come true. And he actually could have took a shortcut. He had the opportunity to actually kill Saul. But he was like, no, this ain't the right way. I'm not going to make myself king. God is going to make me king. And he could have killed him, but he said, I'm not going to take a shortcut. I'll be king when God wants me to be king. And I'll wait. I'll keep waiting until he wants me to. You see, David waited and it hurt. It was hard. But he waited and, he, I mean, we see how much God blessed him. Amen? How much God blessed him. How about Noah who waited for the flood? <laughs> how long did that bad boy wait? How long did he wait? Does anybody know? hundred years? Over a hundred years, right? Something like that? Am I right? My goodness. <laughs> I mean, you're telling me we could wait. I mean, well, we won't be able. We'll be dead. But, okay, let's say we'll wait 50 years, right? <laughs> I mean, God promised Noah, hey, this is, uh, I want to destroy the earth, build a boat, and, you know, I want to start off a new life with you. <laughs> and over 100 years, people making fun of him, ridiculing him. But he was like, if God says he's going to do it, he's going to do it. I trust in God. I want to wait patiently for him. He just imagine. Salvador, I'm going to destroy, I'm going to destroy the whole earth, you know, nuclear explosion. So I want you to go to your back, you know, to the back and build a spaceship. And, uh, you know, I'm going to start all over with you. And you start building your spaceship, the news camera comes, and they, hey, what are you doing? Well, God told me this is what's going to happen. Everyone's making fun of you, probably people here. Your own brothers and sisters, come on. <laughs> Would you be able to keep doing it? Or would you say, man, forget this. I can't take this no more. Uh-uh. I can't take the ridicule. But Noah waited patiently. He waited. He's like, man, God said he's going to do it. He's going to do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep trusting in his word. I'm going to keep trusting in what God said he's going to do, no matter how long it takes. What if he didn't wait? We even exist. I don't know. The 120 who waited in the upper room, Jesus says, in a few days, I'm going to send the promise of the Father. In a few days, but they waited, what, 40? <laughs> Say, in a couple of days, I'm, you know, I'm going to do this for you. But you're waiting 40 days. You see, what the awesome thing is, they would have waited a few years. Because Jesus said he was going to do it. 
He was going to do it. They believed. They trusted in him. No matter how long it took, they were going to wait on God. They were going to wait on that promise. And when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they changed the whole world. How about Jacob who waited 14 years? 14 years for his Rachel, and I waited five for mine. He waited 14 years. He was going to wait seven, but the father-in-law tricked him. So and then he had to do another seven to work for Rachel. Because was, she was the one that he wanted. He could have took the shortcut. He could have kidnapped her, taken her away, you know. He could have killed the father-in-law and said, man, forget. Or he could have just been like, man, she ain't all that anyways. I'm, I'm good with who I have, and I'm just going to go on. Right? He could have said that. But no, he's like, this is the one for me. I'm going to wait patiently for you. I'm going to work for it. No matter how long it takes, I'm going to work for it. Because this is the one that God has for me. He waited a long time, and it hurt. Like I said, I waited five years. <laughs> and even though I don't, you know, I put myself with Jacob. Because I went through a hard time waiting for this one, too. <laughs> I went through a hard time. But I waited patiently for her because that was the one that I knew God had for me. See, I had my choices. She could tell you. I'm not boasting. But I, but I had my choices. <laughs> And uh, it was hard for Rachel, but you know what? I stood faithful. I was like, no, she's all that and a bag of potato chips. <laughs> and I'm going to wait for her, no matter how long it takes. I'm going to wait for her. So five years. You see, you see, it was cool back then, you know? Like when you say, man, this is the one for me, all right? Hey, we're going to get married. You get married that night, and that night is honeymoon time. See, it was cool. It was cool back then. See, but like, it's, it's just, it's, you know, it's different now. It's different now. We have to wait patiently for the day of the honeymoon. Right? Amen. You see, see how these examples of how much these people waited? They waited a long time. They suffered. It was hard. But because they waited patiently for it, God blessed them. God blessed them. Jacob, you know, made them to a nation. It was awesome. See, the problem... Proverbs 14.12 says that, uh, oh, put that up, 14.12, I had that in my, in my mind. Okay, man, you're on top of this. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the, in the end it leads to death. Or in another verse it says to destruction. See, the problem is why, you see, when we don't know how to wait on God, I mean, we're saying like we don't trust him. We're saying we don't trust him to do what he said he's going to do. So you know what, we're going to handle it our, the way we think. We know it's best, right? There is a way that seems right to man. See, we think, we think it's right to do this, but really at the end it leads to destruction. We have to trust God. He knows our future, right? He knows what's going to happen five, ten years from now. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow, not us. You see, we think we know what's good for us. We think we know what's good for us, but we have no idea. But glory to God, we know, God knows what's good for us. So that's why... We give our lives to Him, and we say, God, I trust you with my life. Not my will, but your will be done. I trust you with my life. You do what you know is best. Not what I think is best, because I say, I think it's good to do this, but in the end, it leads to destruction, right? Oh, God, you know how much I need that six-figure, that that $120,000 job a year. You know how much I need it, and you know it's good for me. It will be good for me. I could pay off my bills. And I would live a comfortable life. That would be so good for me. I want it. See, to us, man, that would be awesome. But God is saying, no, that won't be good for you because you're going to get greedy. 
You're going to put your trust in that money more than in me. You're going to start working weekends, and you're not going to spend time with me no more. You see what I'm saying? God, you know how much I want that new Camaro, that Bumblebee, right, heck? Boom. You don't like the Camaro? The Bumblebee? No, the Challenger? Anyways. Right? <laughs> the Hummer? You take it? But you know what I'm saying? It's like, man, you know how much I, I would like that car. It would be so awesome. It would be cool. But God's saying, no, no, that won't be cool. It won't be good for you. You're going to get prideful, conceited, you know. God, you know how much she's the one for me, single man. Single man here. Andrew in the back. You know she's the one for me. She's awesome. You know, I'll, I'll live a happily ever life, whatever, ever after life with, with that person. But God's saying, no, no, you won't. You're going to fall into temptation. You're going to backslide. You're going to lose your whole salvation. You're going to lose the whole plan I have for you. Right? Girls, oh, she, he's the one for me. He's the one for me, God. You know, I, or maybe he is. But God's saying, <laughs> but how about this? How about this for a change? But God is saying, yeah, he's probably the one for you, but now's not the right time. Yeah, he's probably the one for you, but now's not the right time. Because if you hook up now, you, maybe you could fall into temptation. You see, I, right now, I just want you to work on your character. I want you to work on your relationship with me. Then, later on, I'll know when's the right time for you guys to hook up. I know when's the right time. See what I'm saying? See, we think we know what's right. We think we know what's good, but we have no idea. That's why we have to trust in God and say, God, you know what's good for me. So I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to wait for you. I'm going to wait for you to act. Wait on God until you know what to do for him, until he gives you the green light, until he gives you further instructions. You see what I'm saying? You understand what I'm saying? Wait on God because he knows what's best for us. If anybody knows what's good, if we could, if, well, we could trust anybody, it will be God. Amen? How about you? Bad examples. Am I going too, too long? Okay. Bad examples, right? The Israelites who waited 430 years to reach the promised land, something that should have took 40 days because they were disobedient. Can you put up Numbers 21? Because they were disobedient. They didn't know how to wait on God. And because they were disobedient, they kept complaining and complaining and whining. It took them over 400 years to finally reach the promised land. And throughout those years, it cost them. Listen to this. This is kind of it's, it's funny, but it's not. 21.4. They traveled from Mount Or along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. You see, before that, God actually delivered them, I think, from the Canaanite. God did a miracle. But that wasn't enough. So they grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up? Out, uh, out of Egypt to die in the desert. There is no bread. There is no water. And we detest this miserable food. <laughs> so look at what God does. So then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people and many Israelites died. So the people came to Moses and said, We sinned. You see, they repented. We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you prayed that the Lord would take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Thank God he doesn't deal with us that way right now. You see, man, I mean, God doesn't like that. See, they grew impatient. They were disobedient, and, and they were complainers. They didn't know how to wait on God. And it cost them the promised land. Some of them didn't see it. Over 400 years they waited. Snakes came and bit them, and they died, right? <laughs> That's crazy. Okay, Abraham, real quick. Abraham. Abraham was the man of faith, but he did not wait on God. God promised him the promised child. I will give you, there's a promised child. I'm going to give it to you. And the reason it was a promised child was by faith because they were old. 
They were old. But God was going to do a miracle and says, I'm going to send you a child. You're going to name him Isaac. But they grew impatient. And they said, well, you know, I'll do it through, uh, I'll bring that, that promise true through uh, my wife's maidservant, the Egyptian maidservant. Uh, what's her name? Hagar. And so they did whatever they had to do. And that's where Ishmael was conceived. But he, was, but he wasn't the promised child. You see, they took a shortcut. And we, I mean, okay, let me try to explain it, break this down. He took a shortcut. He tried to help God out. We cannot help God out because we will mess it up. <laughs> Abraham tried to help God out and said, okay, well, you know, let me help you out and let me speed up the process. I'll, you know, okay, I'll, I'll sleep with somebody else and boom, that'll be the promised child. No, God is saying, dude, you messed up. You don't, don't, don't lift a finger. I said, I'll, remember Isaiah 64, 4, I would act on your behalf. Just wait on me. You don't need to lift a finger. Just don't even help me out because you're just going to mess it up. <laughs> you're just going to ruin the whole thing, Abraham. And that's what he did. He helped him out. And so Ishmael was born, but God had mercy on him, still gave him Isaac. And now we know history through Ishmael, the Muslim race comes. And through Isaac, the Jewish race comes. And we all know how much they love each other, right? You see, it changed the course of history. It changed. What if Abraham would have waited? How different would it have been? Something to think about. Aaron did not wait the 40 days for Moses, right? Moses, he says, man, I'm going to talk to God. I'm going to chill with him. I'm going to get some instructions. I'll be back in 40 days. You got this? Aaron says, yeah, I got this. It's all good. I got, you know, I could take care of the Israelites. So it was Moses is up there meeting with God. You know, that's when he was getting the Ten Commandments. The people grew impatient. The people grew impatient, and they started complaining and whining. So Aaron, he didn't know what to do. So finally, he's like, man, just give me some gold. That's when they built, uh, made the golden calf, and they started worshiping it. To idolatry, not good. So as God sees that, he's going to destroy them. And so Moses interceded God. You know, don't, you know he's going to start all over with Moses. But Moses interceded, have mercy. So Moses came down. He saw what was going on. He broke the tablet. He probably wanted to break it over Aaron's head. But he broke it. He's like, dude, what are you doing? You couldn't wait 40 days? And so Aaron's like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, I didn't know what to do. And the, you know how they are. They're stiff-necked. I messed up. I'm sorry. And so Moses, this is, this is how much it hurts. You see, it will cost you when you don't know how to wait on God. It's going to cost you something. So he goes into the entrance of the camp. He says, whoever's for God, come over here. The Levites come. And what, the, the, what does Moses say? He's like, man, see, you had to come to this because you couldn't wait. Strap on a sword and kill your brothers and sisters. 3,000 Israelites died that day. And then the next day, God cursed them with a plague because they couldn't wait. You see, it cost them something. It hurts when we don't know how to wait on God. How about Saul? Last example. There's many examples. I'm just picking some. Saul, who didn't wait the seven days. Saul was the king. Remember, he was the one persecuting David. And uh, well, before that... Uh, Samuel, they were going to war against the Philistines. And so Samuel says, I'll be back in seven days so I can offer sacrifices to God. Saul could not wait. He got impatient. Moses was, uh, was, uh, Samuel was taking too long. And so Saul offered the sacrifices himself. And so right when he was done offering the sacrifices, Samuel comes back. What is it that you've done? You messed up. You weren't supposed to do that. You, you had to wait. And so because of that disobedience, God had enough with him. And he says, it's going to cost you your kingdom. And that's why God anointed David to, to succeed him. It cost him. It cost him something. It cost him his kingdom. You see, when we don't know how to wait on God, when we take the shortcut, and when we do things uh, the way we think should be done, 
when we take matters into our own hands, when we think we know what's right, but we remember in the end it leads to destruction. It's going to cost you something. It's going to hurt when we take the shortcut, when we don't know how to wait on God. We have to learn to be patient. Patience is, is the fruit of the Spirit. Remember, it's the key to all of God's blessings. Learn to wait on Him. See, the simple fact is that life is full of waiting. As much as we hate it, as much as it's torture to us, life is full of waiting. We're all waiting for something. Something. We're all waiting for something. We're waiting for family members to get saved, right? We're waiting for, for a job. We're waiting for our husbands or wives. We're waiting for the coming of Jesus. That's the biggest coming that we're waiting for, right? We're waiting for that. We're all waiting for something. But the greatest challenge that the Bible gives us is to wait. As much as we hate it, that is the greatest challenge. Just wait. Wait on God. That's dying to your flesh. Really, right? That's dying to your flesh. That's denying your flesh. That's picking up your cross and following Jesus. That's what it is. God meant just leave me. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't understand everything. But God, if you leave me, I'm going to follow. And as long as I know, as long as I see you, as long as I know you're with me, that's all that matters. I trust you. I trust that if you're with me, I'm in good hands. You're going to take care of me. Amen? You understand that? You see, waiting is good. As much as we hate it, it's good for us because it, it, uh, it increases our faith. Right? We learn to be patient. We learn uh, to, uh, endurance will grow in us. It will develop in us. And we will learn to be patient. We will learn to wait on God. We will learn to wait on His promises. Amen? Romans 8.25 Remember, we're all waiting for something. If we're waiting for something, it's because we don't have it, right? So Romans 8.28, 8.25, I'm sorry. Romans 8.25. Go up a little bit more. Oh, wait, no, you're good. But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. What are we hoping for? Like I said, we're hoping for... For our spouses, we're hoping for a job, we're hoping for people, family members to get saved, we're hoping for the coming of Jesus, we're waiting for it, but we should wait for it patiently. See, because when we wait on God, man, He's going to bless us. There's blessings when we wait for Him. There's great things that He will do to us, in us, and through us when we wait on God. When we wait on God. We have to learn to be content where we're at. We have to learn to be satisfied with God, with what He has given us. And in the meantime, we wait. We wait. And we will wait for God. God, man, I, I want this now, but you know what? Now my will, but your will be done. Whenever you want to give it to me, you will give it to me. That's it. Whenever, God, you want to make that vision come true, Metro Praise, okay, at your timing. You see, that's uh, in, in Hebrews 11, these people, uh, you know, the chapter of faith, they did not even receive their promises in their lifetime. They received it after they even died. And you see, and I'm not even going to read it, but you can read it. Hebrews chapter 11, 13 and 16, the whole chapter is awesome. But it's saying that, man, they, it's like God gave them a promise, but they gave it back to God. They're like, man, I got this promise, but God, I give it back to you. You do it the way you want to do it. You do it according to your will. I'm just going to keep waiting. I'm going to keep hoping. I'm going to keep trusting in your word. You understand that? That's awesome, man. When God gives us a promise, we're like, God, just, I give it to you, God. Whenever you want to fulfill it, however you want to fulfill it. Because I know it's the right way. I know it's the right time. 
Hallelujah. Isaiah 64.4, right? Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. We don't even understand the great things that God would do for us, through us, when we wait on God. Man, let that be our prayer. God, teach us to wait for you. Teach us to be patient. Amen? That's why I want to have some, um, some time, maybe a few minutes. Is that cool? Uh, you could just maybe put on this surrender song with Kim Walker. And I just want to open up the altar just for a few minutes, five, ten minutes, until the song's over, whatever. Or you could just seek him as long as you want. I don't know what it is you're waiting for. I mean, I know that we're all waiting for something. We're all waiting for something. God has given us promises, visions, waiting for, I don't know, missionaries for, to go to Honduras, whatever. We're all waiting for something. But let's wait for it patiently. That is the challenge. We hate to wait, but the challenge is wait. The challenge is wait on God because his timing is perfect.